Georgia played a football game allegedly on Saturday. They lost to South Carolina 20 to 17. I think the stat was that this was the first time a 24 point favorite had lost in the SEC since 2014. Uh, pretty much a disaster all around. Uh, there's lots of questions of who is to blame. I think the answer is everyone. You are listening to episode 199 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall, and I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, as we try and work through and make sense of what happened in that shocking home loss that the dogs took to South Carolina on Saturday. We pulled this episode together via Skype and cell phones late Saturday evening because basically we just wanted to go ahead and get it out of the way. The post-game episode is brought to you by our podcast partner, Five Points Bottle Shop, located at 1655 South Lumpkin Street in Five Points and also out at 3865 Atlanta Highway. And before we begin, bear with us on the audio quality. We threw this together at the last minute and at times there's some definite distracting background noise from a hot mic. So the audio is suspect today, but doesn't that seem fitting? Nevertheless, hopefully hearing us share our thoughts might help you move on because guess what? There's another SEC team rolling into Sanford next week, and they would love nothing more than to take advantage of a stunned fan base and reeling football team and hand the dogs another crushing defeat. Okay, time to rip the Band-Aid off. Here's Will to get us started. Wait a minute. I thought this was the Righteous Gemstones podcast. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Oh, man. Um, all right. I'll take first shot at this. Please do. Um, I, I Look, on the preview podcast, I said Georgia has to do something active in order for South Carolina to win. I stand by that. If you had said Will Muschamp was going to outcoach Kirby Smart and Jake Fromm was going to look like Jake who I went to high school with uh, a quarterback, I would have said there's about 45 other things. Now, Jake Fromm did not have a good game. Part of this starts and ends with offensive line. Part of this starts and ends with play calling. But I would say part of this starts also rests firmly on the ethos of dominate the line of scrimmage, establish our will, the, the whole man ball ethos. Because there's something about that that, to me, clearly leads to slow starts. We saw it against Vanderbilt. We saw it against Notre Dame. We saw it against Tennessee. And the slow start kind of morphed all the way into a no start today. <laughs> I'd have to agree with you, Tony. I was going to kind of say the same thing. You know, we have not compared notes yet. <laughs> I think, I mean, really, you could probably grab 20 different Georgia fans that were sitting in the crowd today or watching at home, and they'd probably come up with the same thing. Um, you know, I remember when they did play Vanderbilt, they put the stat up there that Georgia has the biggest offensive line in college and pro. And what that does is it leads the viewer and the fan to believe that, yeah, we got this. We got the, we get the guys up front and then everything rolls downhill, literally running game, you know, defensive push, the havoc that we heard so much about. But, um, I mean, I tweeted during the game, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. My, I'll, I'm not going to, you know, throw shade at my, my boys who go to every game, but even they were turning to me as a 13 year old and 11 year old going like, dad, why do we keep running right up the middle on first and second down? And yeah. We're in a passing down. And it was just so obvious, uh, just the play calling. I mean, that's such an easy cop out, but 
it was a lot of it was the play calling and Fromm says that he was trying to communicate to overthrow or make it an only ball for Pickens, the one that was picked for pick six. Sure, I, I get that with the quarterback terminology, but the turnovers, you just can't have that happen because if you look at the stat sheet, just the, the glowing stats of total yards, attempts and everything, Georgia wins the game. If you just see the stats, you're like, ah, it's probably a 30 to 10 victory because they out gained them by 170 yards but then you scroll down to the turnovers and like you said you got to be active to lose this game and they were active in the one category that you can't be active in which is the turnovers yeah it's funny too because every thing that we thought like i don't know this maybe is a little bit of weakness that maybe we'll see if this pops up and bites him at one point every single one of them popped up and bite them then a few things that we weren't worried about uh came up as well uh to me the the the, the penalty situation was bad the offensive line not getting the massive push that we thought that was bad uh, the inexperienced wide receivers that was an issue and then, definitely and then you don't expect from to have a day like that he was off really from the beginning like really from the beginning i actually really think though tony i think you're right about this man ball thing i i think there's something to that this idea that the whole strategy seems to be Impose your will. Impose your will. Impose your will. And that's fine. I actually do not think that's necessarily a terrible strategy. But the thing about strategies is you have to be able to adjust. And to me, what you saw, uh, particularly on that, uh, like I think on the, that last possession in overtime, of course, the first run, first play was a freaking run right up the middle, as everyone <laughs> could see across the board. It's just like, like again, I am not a professional play caller, but and I'm, but the idea that not only can I predict that, but the idea that you've clearly seen the whole time this has not worked and there was no sort of adjustment. Uh, Emerson wrote about in a very, very good gamer about this. Uh, he definitely stepped up to meet the moment, for better or worse. He basically said that, like, that, that play call was a surprise to no one, because, but not because of necessarily because it was a bad idea or that you could or that you could just predict everything but the i but it was the play calling did not match the game that was happening on the field and there were just not adjustments listen whatever like we're talking about passing the ball more when from had i think without question his worst day as george's quarterback uh, he but to me that's the issue is there was this idea that this is the downside to the to the pick their legs up and crock pot them and pick their legs up and have their them kick themselves until you die. That becomes your entire strategy. Your entire strategy becomes we're just gonna uh, impose our will on them and play our game. And to me, I would argue by the time that you get to overtime, your will has not been imposed. And it's time to adjust a little bit in that regard. But I think across the board, and I wonder if Tennessee had something to do with this because uh, when we talked about watching Tennessee. Georgia was down 14-13, but I tell you, I wasn't sweating it. I wasn't sweating it Mm -hmm. because it felt like Georgia was the better team and they were still kind of in control of the game. You couldn't help but think, watching this game, that they thought, A, that's fine, we just had this against Tennessee. The minute, once we kick in the gear, we're going to be fine. But B, that they were not realizing that this was a different team and this was a different game than that. I texted you guys uh, during the game saying, you know what, this doesn't feel like Tennessee. Like in the first half, in the first half, it didn't feel like Tennessee, but it felt like the team and the offensive play calling still treated it like it was Tennessee. Like, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to turn this around. Uh, we're going to impose our will, and that's going to happen. And there was no backup strategy. When there was no backup strategy, uh, we saw what happened. 
Well, getting to the offensive line, I think as telling, South Carolina got an awful lot of pressure on Jake and early uh, rushing for. And I don't know, it's hard to say what happened. I mean, I took a little time this afternoon to go and, and watch through the game, I probably because I hate myself. But, um, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me is they didn't do anything fancy. I mean, there were a few times they blitzed. I, you know, I think the, the, the one time uh, one time they got to, to Jake, they blitzed. Actually, there was a blitz on, on at the end of the game, which I would have absolutely – they were playing five deep. Why not rush six? But you know, the other part about that is – I mean, look, the defense played a spectacular game. They gave up, uh, you know, what, 10 points in regulation. Uh, Scott was at 268 yards, something like that. And the defense did everything you would want them to do. Absolutely everything you'd want them to do against an overmatch opponent. And then you turn around and offensively, this is what you get. It is frustrating. I understand people's frustration. Probably for the first time ever, I heard people in the stands yelling, throw the ball. Uh, Mike Bobo, I assume, were throwing up. Um, but, you know, it gets back down to a couple of key things. Players, individual players are going to have bad games. That's going to happen. Those things don't happen in a vacuum. You have to give South Carolina's uh, coaches credit. They came up with a game plan that basically said, we're going to play man coverage, and if you can't get separation from us, and we weren't able to sometimes because of generous keeping flags in and out, and by no means saying the officials, um, the officials cost us this game, but there were times where it looked like the guys just couldn't get separation because they, so they were glued to the defender, but to give them, give them credit. They played really good tight man defense. They were checking at the line, and we couldn't get separation. Uh, and one last thing, man, the personnel stuff doesn't I – don't, I don't understand. How can you not have Cajun Robertson in? If you're throwing a Hail Mary at the end of the game, uh, and, and we'll get to the field goal thing, in mm-hmm. uh, if you're throwing a Hail Mary at the end of the game, you've got to have Cajun Robertson out there. If you don't run the two receivers, those are the two receivers you run. Both of them were on the sideline, which is just – it borders on coaching malpractice to me. Will, it sounds like you have a cat on your keyboard. Oh, sorry. No. Um, <laughs> so, um, go ahead. Yeah, I was, well, Googling, I was going to say. Will's Googling coaching malpractice because <laughs> he wants to make sure that he, he posts the pictures of it. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the first time I've laughed today. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Georgia ran, I mean, in my unofficial count, they ran 95 plays today and they also had 24 incompletions it's just it's just baffling to me i, I want to say that cager made that catch and he came up a little gimpy and we didn't see him the rest of the game and I, I i you know as you try to sit there and rationalize what's going on i wonder maybe he's the the straw that stirs the drink in the passing game obviously he's shown to be the the wide receiver mvp of the season so far and he goes out and it's like nobody else can can step up that just was something that kind of stuck in my craw a little bit as the game was going on. But then think about it. Helensky goes out. He was decently effective. He was definitely dangerous in the passing game. You you get their start at the beginning of the year. Number seven was their third string quarterback. And he comes in and he's okay. He did. He was adequate, obviously. But the fact that you don't just sit there and say, sucks for Helensky. We, we hope he's better. But, man, we're ready to get after number seven. Uh, and they didn't. And, you know, I mean, it's just a throw your hands up type game. You know, the time of possession, Georgia had 36 minutes of the clock. You just look at everything. Literally, if you can bear to do it, just look at the stat sheet and cover the score. 
it's amazing how everything is in Georgia's favor except for the dumb turnovers. And just it's got to be a combination of overconfidence, maybe too much swagger. But Will kind of nailed it at the tailgate when I stopped by him. He was like, dude, this scene is dead. Now, I'm not blaming the crowd because the crowd was into it. The crowd was there. You can't blame the noon kickoff on the crowd. But that tailgate scene, I guess maybe still the Notre Dame hangover, the fact that Georgia fans just hate noon kickoffs. Um, there was a definite palpable like, hmm, before the game. So, Tony, let's talk uh, about the timeout and talk about uh, – I, I, I'm proud of this, by the way. We have not said the words Rodrigo Blankenship yet because the idea that Rodrigo is the one that lost this game is like the dumbest lizard brain idea I've ever seen. I, I, the idea that, that Rodrigo yeah, – sure, that, that it was shocking. It was shocking though sort of fitting – that a game where everything that went wrong, of course, Rodrigo would miss a field goal <laughs> to keep it going. Yeah. I also t- uh, texted you guys after the South Carolina kicker field, well, missed the field goal. I said, if, if Georgia loses now, this should count as two losses. And I think it probably should. I yeah. think it may. Let's see what happens in some of these other games. Uh, it may end up actually turning out that way. But there, the, of all the things that, uh, uh, of all the national narratives, about this game, uh, no one's blaming Rodrigo. I think from it's. Uh, I think people are just saying this is he ha- he's having his one LSU game of the year, which may or not be may not be true. But I think clearly uh, they're different teams. But really, nationally, they're talking about Kirby. <laughs> they're talking about Kirby. They're talking about the two calls. One, um, uh, the the timeout at the, uh, the in overtime uh, when South Carolina looked like they were probably about to get a delay a game, and two, uh, of course the the big screw up at the end of regulation when uh, pushing the extra time to try to get forward and ultimately pushing them out of Blankenship's range. For the record, I still thought they should have went ahead and had Blankenship try one at sixty. That was a better chance to be able yeah. to have a, a hail mary at that point. But Tony, I'm curious. Uh, the, this is now becoming a thing where in big moments. Kirby tightens up. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you also see it becoming a thing? And what's your general thoughts on the whole deal? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's one of the things that keeps going through my mind. And it's a weak crutch, but I still am willing to use it. As games go, Kirby hasn't been in a whole lot of games where the end of game matters. And he's still learning as a coach. Now, I have since day one advocated that Kirby should hire a former head coach, someone that's been, has done this and done it a long time, someone to help advise him on it. I mean, look, we have analysts that back up analysts. We should have somebody that Kirby trusts who has looked at every possible scenario um, and basically can moneyball out every situation. Um, you know, I've seen some stuff like, well, you know, the long field goal at that point, 33, 33%. We looked hitting pass plays downfield. At best, you're hoping for a pass interference and a shorter field goal. The reality is, it's like we're not going to be in too many more games where, at, at this season at least, where the end of game situations won't matter. Because I, I think Florida, Florida and Auburn scare me much more today. Um, actually, Missouri scares me a little more today, um, just because they have the defense to stop. Or at least slow down our run game to the point where we can't do the things we want to do offensively in trying to run the ball. Scott, you talked about running the ball. I saw somewhere where we ran like 28 second down plays and 17 of them were runs up the middle. We, <laughs> yes, we had been a, a bread and butter, and I agree we probably ran it too many times early. We never ran one. 
Never once ran one. No. Now, I'm not a coach, and I, I can't say why we didn't, but it seems crazy to me that we didn't even try. Um, and that is uh, that's something that Kirby either has to learn from or will your prognostication of three years from now or two years from now or whatever, if Kirby doesn't win a national championship, will point back to this game and they'll say this was the start of, you know, Kirby's never going to get over the hump either. I would say this. Um Obviously, there have been tough losses during the Kirby Smart era. Uh, ugly games. That's, that's, that's been the joke that people have said. Is like there's one a year, right? There's one belly flop a yep. year. Yep. Uh, it was uh, LSU yep. last year. It was Auburn the year before. The, the, for the record, those teams were a lot theoretically anyway. They, they didn't they didn't come into this game two and three <laughs> into those games where they where, where they flopped. Uh, but even with those games, uh, you could justify you're at LSU, you're at Auburn. Like these are tough games. There's the there, there, weird things happen. Um, this to me, and I think this may be a larger topic to talk about when we do the preview show this week. This to me feels like the first uh-oh game, right? Like this feels like the first okay, and whatever. Listen, I think there has been something instilled in the fan base that the uh, even though there's only been two in a row now. The SEC East title and the SEC East and the SEC championship game are somehow birthrights now, and uh, and and I think frankly you wouldn't. I it feels like maybe a little bit like the team felt that way uh, coming in, but they're not. <laughs> they're not. And if uh, no matter how incredible your recruiting rankings are, and no matter how much uh, how big your offensive line is, and no matter how much you can say that you go three deep everywhere, uh, if you come out. And uh, you're not prepared, and everybody, ever, and you have the opportunity for everything to fall apart at once. Uh, it can happen on any given Saturday, uh, as they say. And everyone wants Georgia to become Alabama so badly. And clearly, the team is constructed to play like Alabama. And everyone all has kind of has this idea still that like Georgia is now at that tier. I thought that Georgia was at that tier. Alabama doesn't have games like this. <laughs> they just don't. They just don't have well, games they like this. Well, have in the past two years. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, uh, this feels like a – I wouldn't say it's an inflection point when Kirby started to lose people. I don't think it's there. But uh, this is definitely a – you know what? Sometimes having the most talent is not enough. And I think that, that that's – what you're seeing. It's one thing to lose to Alabama because you don't execute. It's one thing to lose at LSU because you don't execute. To lose at home to South Carolina like this, to have everything fall apart the way it did, is going to do more than raise eyebrows for a while. Uh, the margin for error, uh, I, we're not in the honeymoon is over period, but uh, certainly uh, this puts them in a position where they might not win the SEC East. And if that happens, uh, look out. Yeah, you'd probably feel better if it was a 38-35 barn burner loss. You know, you lost by three points and you lose 38-35 or something like that. And historically speaking, 2016, Georgia lost to Vanderbilt and Tech, both noon games. You know, they lost to Tennessee as well and a couple others. But those are both noon kickoffs at home. Those are the Tech was the last time. Tech 2016 was the last time Georgia had lost at home. They'd won 15 in a row, a stat that Georgia was starting to warm up to, to kind of start touting that they've had this 15 game home win streak. And then Seth in his article, I read it as well. He talked about how this was the worst loss uh, being like a 20 point uh, favorite since 1994 Vanderbilt 
I was at that game. I was a freshman <laughs> at Georgia during that game. That team went six, four and one and didn't go to a bowl game. So I could argue, or I will argue that this really in the last quarter century, by far, this is the worst loss Georgia's had because of everything they have at stake. Not to say it's all gone, but man, I think even he used these words in the article. It is on life support right now. How are you guys hanging in emotionally? It's been a rough week. I went, I keep going to my uh, quotes. I'm I'm not a big quote guy, and unless there's some some stress in my life, but uh, I don't usually quote Mark Mark Bradley. But he wrote a piece the day after, or actually the the evening of uh, Wednesday evening after the Braves Cardinals loss, and it really uh, spoke to me. And I retweeted it. And to paraphrase what he wrote at the end of his article, he said, "I've lived here for 35 years, and I've seen so much go wrong that just for variety's sake." I wouldn't mind seeing something go right. And I still feel that way <laughs> after Wednesday and today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where, what is it? The, sometimes the best laid plans often go awry. And that's our plans were just to march on to Atlanta and take a swing at Bama or LSU and get in the playoff. <laughs> even if we lose that game, uh, not, not so much anymore. One, one brief thing before, to, uh, to, uh, give me just a second now, because I, I, I want to see how you're doing too. But I would argue that if to take the emotion out of it for a moment, um, weird things happen in baseball all the time. Uh, the Cardinals have scored one run since that team scored, since that, since that, <laughs> since right. that 10 run first inning, and they have like four hits. Strange things happen. I don't look. At those ten runs for, scored against the Cardinals, scored against Braves, and think, oh wow, the Braves really screwed up that opportunity. What a bunch of chokers! Weird stuff happens. Weird, straight a guy that, that shut down the Cardinals three days earlier. The ball wasn't falling right, and weird, just weird, weird stuff happens in baseball. This is a heavily fit, like this is college football. It's not baseball. Like this is this is worse. Like the I I I would I I take an emotion out of it to lose a game like this when not only you are favored but you are supposed to be past stuff like this. To me, because uh, uh, I'm I'm not a Brace fan, I'm not a Falcons fan. I I I have no uh, cursed Georgia stuff to say. To me, because I am not connected to those things, I don't see superstition or uh, or a cursed area in this. I see uh, coaching staff. And and a team that's supposed to be past this and apparently isn't. It's not a terrible point. I mean, I, you know, look, emotionally, I had, um, I think our playbook is what it is. I had hoped that we would see y'all. Y'all had me convinced that we were going to sling the ball over the yard, and we did. I mean, we threw the ball 51 times. But um, uh, until we figure out a way to, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I can't say what it is because I'm not smart enough at football to know. Um, we're not taking shots downfield, and we took a couple. I mean, there was one. I mean, Jake got sacked on one where clearly we were going downfield, and the the ball the, the place just collapsed around him. I mean, just he never even had a shot. Um, and but it is hard to look at um, today and to even be an, a, a clear minded optimist to think that. Um, Things can be or will be better um, for games further down the season uh, against against better teams in South Carolina. I was at the game in 2012. And we lost 35 to seven, and we were a tipped pass or however you want to frame it away from playing against Notre Dame in the national championship game. These games do happen, and baseball is utterly different than football in that way. But 
time will only tell whether or not there are teams. You know, we it's funny. We nearly derisively said, "Man, that that state game looks like a must win for a play, for a bowl game for South Carolina." You know, South Carolina might figure something out. We don't know that yet. But the most distressing thing to me, and this is something that is um, that has been rolling around in my head since the end of the game, is that for the first time this season, and probably the first time in two seasons, defensively we played great. Offensively, we, we did nothing different in the second half than we did in the first half. Um, and that leads me back to the whole ethos of man ball and the establishing will and stuff like that. So how are you doing, buddy? I am uh, frustrated, but I'll put it this way. Um, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm probably angrier than a Cardinals fan is because the Cardinals are not a great team. They are a good team. They are a good team uh, that played the Braves, who I think are a little bit better than the Cardinals, but the Cardinals just caught the right breaks uh, at the right times. Uh, but the Nationals and Dodgers, I think, are both better than the Cardinals. I think the Astros and the Yankees are both a lot better than the Cardinals. So, uh, uh, sure, I could hope for like a 2006 season where the, uh, an 83-win team has everything go perfectly for them for three weeks, and uh, we catch a break, and it's wonderful. But right now, the Cardinals are playing. The, this Cardinals team that can't score runs and can't get hits, I've seen this team before. This is not surprising to me. It's disappointing, and I'm frustrated by it, but like I can't, I'm not shocked. I was shocked by what happened with Georgia today. I was shocked by it. I uh, I shouldn't have been. Now that we see, now that we know what happened, we've seen. We can recognize some of the signs that led up to this, and some of the. Uh, it's not. It it's a shock, but it didn't come entirely out of nowhere. But more to the point, uh, Georgia, uh, the Cardinals look like they're probably going to lose to a team that I think is better than them. Uh, therefore, I'm, I don't think the Cardinals are really good enough to make the NLCS this year. So I'm delighted. This is great. I mean, I'm disappointed that they're losing like this, but wow. I mean, this is, I don't think the Cardinals are good enough to be here. Georgia is better than this. And so for me, uh, it's not, uh, I'm disappointed the Cardinals aren't doing well. Uh, but it's a going to expectations. What Georgia do it is doing is underperforming and more to the point, wasting an incredible opportunity. And uh, to me, that's always going to be a little bit worse. You know, and if you think about it, listen back. You don't have to. I wouldn't recommend it. Listen back <laughs> to our preview podcast. We're pretty smug. We're pretty overconfident. Oh, totally. 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 And, totally, and then, totally. And so this week at the um, press conference, somebody says, hey, Kirby, how about Rodrigo for Heisman? He's like, yeah. Duck, 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 duck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Bet there's no, yeah. Right. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. And so everybody, everybody, fans, coaches, players. They're all thinking like, yeah, it's a cakewalk, man. It's not the, that's not the case. It's the SEC. Coach Boom, as Tony likes to call him, he recruits good players. He coached them up. They had a week off. Maybe you could blame that to it because Tennessee came out and punched us in the mouth with a week off. But still, if you do recruit and tout three deep at every position, it shouldn't, shouldn't even factor into it. So, um, yeah, it's a gut check for everybody, both pundits. I guess we can call ourselves that. And coaches and players alike, and it's, fans. It's a good reminder. Georgia has not won anything, <laughs> and, exactly. and it feels like everyone we've all and whatever it feels. I, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. They feel like we can, we're like we even said that. Like, well, before it was Georgia and Clemson. Obviously, it was Alabama and Clemson in the upper tier. But I think Georgia has clearly like met themselves. Nope, nope. Georgia hasn't won diddly squat, and uh, it's probably time that we all start acting like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wholly agree with that. It's funny, I, I took Charlie and Maggie uh, to the game with me today, and um, 
you know, this is, they were exposed, I guess the right way to see it. You know, in their, look, in their life, look, Charlie's first away game was a loss at Vanderbilt. That was the Rameek Wilson uh, Memorial targeting penalty game. Um, you know, that was, uh, so Charlie has, Charlie's seen some stuff. And, uh, you know, Maggie, Maggie too, but, you know, both of them at the end of the game were just like, they were kind of clinging to me. It was weird. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why I kept it together better than I did is I was, I, I was trying to demonstrate to them that it's okay to lose a football game, that mm-hmm. this is, this is a football game. And, you know, I've probably done the healthiest thing I possibly could do. Um, I am, I'm, I'm not reading, I'm certainly not on Facebook, but I'm not reading much of Twitter. I'm, you know, posting a few snarky comments here and there, but I'm staying out of the fray there just because it's healthier for me. <laughs> but the reality is, it's like, time will tell, and that's something we're, we're not great at, is the whole time will tell. Like, Georgia, today, Georgia had the look of a team that's going to go 9-3, nine, 10-2. Nine and um, but we've also seen the same Georgia team this season have the look of a team that can still go 11-1 and one and win the SEC. Uh, they play like they did today, no chance. They play like they did against Notre Dame or the second half against Tennessee or the majority of the game against Murray State and Arkansas State. Yeah, totally could. So I think it's important for us not to let recency bias dictate everything we know or think we know about the Georgia team because – but Kirby Smart's a good football coach. He got out coached today. Can he learn from it? Sure. Maybe the trick is not to get in in-game situations. That's uh, that's easier said than done. But the reality is, is that he's got some learning to do, and hopefully, hopefully today provided some of that, not just for him, but for his team and us as fans. All right. Well, um, well, that was fun. Good times, everybody. Fun sports day over here. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, we also virtually guarantee the six o'clock kickoff for those users that won't play a three. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> it gets the night game now. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, we'll be back. I think we're taping. We're not taping. I'm going to New York at the beginning of the week, so I think we're not taping until Wednesday. But uh, uh, we'll tape. Uh, we'll tape Wednesday. And uh, everybody get their heads back on straight. Uh, uh, everything they still want to accomplish is on the table. It just. Uh, I love that phrase. I love that phrase. But the only thing, the only thing, Blutarski has, has posted this week, uh, this after the game was uh, some pool, something, something along the lines of, "Okay, what coach or media pundit is going to be the first to say that?" So, yep, uh, everything they want still on the table. It, it, believe me, believe me, I've said it to my kids already today. So <laughs> <fine. laughs> oh boy! Uh, hey, you guys have another week. We get talking Justin Fields against Jake from now. Let's not do it. Let's all move on. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Yeah. Um, it's, it, Hey guys, and I, I will say this in all sincerity: that alone is reason to keep ESPN this turned off this week. Oh yeah, because it won't be pretty. Oh, yeah. It won't be pretty. <laughs> all right, everyone, we'll be back Wednesday to uh, preview the Kentucky game, and uh, let's—I uh, I don't know about you guys—I'm going to try to be a little less smug this time. I'm probably yeah. going, uh, for the record, every single listener is going, yeah, good luck with that, Will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, all right, everyone, uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll be back to preview Kentucky on Wednesday. Until then, hang in there, everybody. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Feel free to tweet us any questions or comments y'all might have. I'm sure there are plenty. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. We'll be recording our Kentucky preview show on Wednesday, so 
Send them in before then. you got plenty of time. Make sure if you're in Athens this week, stop by our friends at The Pine or El Barrio, The Root, or even Five Points Bottle Shop to help take your mind off football for a while. Lord knows we need to do that. Take a break from it for a while. Also, please consider making a donation to the Bulldogs battling breast cancer. They'll be having events with the ice hockey team for Pink in the Rink this Thursday and Friday. And we'll link a way that you can donate in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for listening. I hope this helped. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But we will see you on campus again this Saturday versus the Cats. Go dogs. <laughs>